Welcome into the Great Lakes Sports Network, Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward. What an, an interesting game last night. We'll get to that in a second. But before you do, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever it is that you need to do under the podcast where you can check us out on Anchor Apple Podcast and Spotify. Now, there was a lot to kind of pick apart from last night's game. A lot more than you would like to out of a game that ended with a score that looked favorable and that should have been an even bigger blowout when you break it all down. And part of it isn't really all that bad. Um, Some of it has to do with the starters. Uh, Chuck Brantley, I think, was probably the biggest surprise starter over Ronald Williams, given the way Williams played at the end of last season. But like I've been saying all offseason, is this a situation where Williams just looked good because everybody wanted to throw to Chester Kimbrough? And you even heard that from the announcers last night where Tim Lester and Jeff Thorne thought they had the opportunity to get Chester Kimbrough one-on-one with one of their receivers, and they went after him. And they went after him a ton. And while he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, he wasn't Dark West he wasn't even Trey Waynes as a senior, who I thought struggled a little bit more than people will ever want to admit um he did okay especially given the number of times he was thrown at so credit to Chester Kimbrough there for stepping up in his first start in that nickel position I thought he did well um like I said he wasn't great but he was good he he was serviceable And ultimately, that's all you can ask for a defense that got just absolutely shredded through the air last season. Um, I thought Baldwin starting over Jarrett Horst was a massive surprise because, well, you can go back and you can look at the tape. Jarrett Horst against the best combination of ends in the country last year in Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, he punished him. He curb stomped him. He, he was that dude, and I think that I think that was probably just as interesting as uh, Brantley starting over Ronald Williams. Uh, Keon Coleman looked to be the number two uh, behind Jaden Reed, which, look, when we did our receiver breakdown, when we did our receiver podcast, I said... I want. I thought Coleman was going to be that guy, but I ended up switching to Mosley, just given Mosley's experience, Mosley's hands, and all that type of stuff. But the hype out of camp, you know, sometimes you buy it, sometimes you don't. I was trying my best to be unbiased and not look at that. So that was something that uh, I wanted to. I, I I just wanted to hone it back more or less. I didn't want to sit there and just be like, oh, Keon Coleman's going to be the greatest. Which, obviously, you know, that's not the case yet, but he does look good. So, that aside, I think, uh, man, I 
I keep saying, oh, well, this might be the biggest, this might be the biggest surprise. This one might be the biggest surprise. Ben Van Zummeren, who was in the transfer portal after Jacoby Windman, after Aaron Brule came in to East Lansing, he was, he played more than Brule. And when Darius Snow went down, he was that linebacker like he was right there so I think uh that was something that totally surprised me um because when I saw Jared Horst wasn't out there I was like oh well it's because he wasn't with the team the last half of the year blah 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 and I was kind of thinking the same thing was going to happen to Ben Van Zumeren is uh, he's going to get stuck behind these guys uh and Jacoby Windman looks like he's going to be more of a rush end anyways as opposed to a straight-up linebacker. So there was a lot to take away from that, and especially, like I said, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, lots of questions. Offensively, I don't think there are any questions. Look, Peyton Thorne did not have his best game last night. And people are like, oh, well, this isn't intimidating at all. How many deep balls did Peyton Thorne miss? How many, how many deep balls where a guy had a step did Peyton Thorne miss? I know Coleman got held on, I think it was Coleman, got held on one of them. And then he overshot Jaden Reed once. He overshot somebody else later. Uh, but all of that said... What what's more likely to happen during the rest of this season? Because those those receivers were open, and he I mean even his first ball he kind of sailed on Tyler Hunt, and it wasn't that deep of a play. And like he he was sailing a lot of stuff last year or excuse me last night. What's more likely to happen is this more likely to carry through the rest of this season? Or is it likely to correct and he's going to look like the Peyton Thorne he looked like last year? And at this point, the Kenneth Walker talk is null and void. Because those receivers were still getting open. So you you can't really use that. That was, you know, something that I, like I mentioned uh, before uh, in our preview show, is... I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to keep throwing the deep ball without the attention on Kenneth Walker. I think the offense looked good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a little shaky. Yes, there was rust. Um, I think he's a... I still think Peyton Thorne's a great quarterback. I'm not going to throw in the towel because of one game where at the end of it he started to look a lot better. Say what you want about the third quarter. I don't think that's on Peyton Thorne. More on that in a minute. But that that's kind of where I stand with QB1. He's still QB1. You know, Some people were like, oh, I would have been after blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, well, you root for Michigan, and so this is your opportunity to talk. So it is what it is. Peyton Thorne, uh, not great last night. Very serviceable, though. Still connected on a couple deep shots. Like I said, not his best game, but look, he, he got the job done in the end. He 
made the game look like it was a little more out of reach than it was. So he did what I wanted him to do. The running backs also about what you expected. You know, Berger started to get the hang of it a little later in the game. Um, hopefully that's not just an issue with Western Michigan being tired. And so that's something that's still kind of leaving a little bit to be desired as far as I'm concerned is the running game. Yeah, they, look, Michigan State averaged over six yards a carry last night. Uh, Broussard had a nice couple of runs. Berger was more the guy. Berger had a pretty big run, and then when they got down to the goal line, they were like, look, we're going to pound in, and we're going to give you a touchdown. Jay Johnson kind of did that last year for Kenneth Walker. You got down near the goal line. I'm going to reward you for being the guy who uh, got us down here. So, yeah, you just got carried the ball six straight times, but I'm going to give it to you one more to see if you can punch it in. And Jay Johnson last night was so hot and cold. Look, you knew Western was going to bring the pressure on second and long. Um, Michigan State was in quite a few of those situations. You knew that they were going to bring it. And you did not see... You, you didn't see him make the adjustments. And that's the thing about Johnson is he was always hot and cold. You know, he, he would sit there and he would call uh, third down plays and he would do that type of stuff, third and long. So we're going to hand the ball off. We're going to try to do this. And it just didn't work for him. He, he, he was hot and cold last year. And... It wasn't the offense having a lack of skill getting bailed out by Kenneth Walker that he that Kenneth Walker affected. It was the offensive coordinator. And you saw that Kenneth Walker made some magic happen in situations that really shouldn't have. Oh, third and five, we're going to run Wildcat. We haven't thrown the ball all year out of this formation. And we're not going to now either. Let's see what Kenneth Walker can do. And he gets seven or eight yards. So, Jay Johnson's play calling in certain situations concerns me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you look at that first, third, and three. There's no reason to run an end, end around with Daniel Barker. Though Barker had a lot of good moments last night. A great one-handed catch. Uh, headed towards the back of the end zone. He uh, he uh, was able to motion into the backfield on the play. And got a halfback dive. Which, <laughs> him falling forward, running that, I thought was awesome to see. I think they are they were just trying to break him in it looked like help him get comfortable maybe settle him down a little bit they handed it off to him twice so ho hopefully that's not something where we're gonna see it consistently and we'll see it a little more sporadically we'll see it more as a break glass in case of emergency type situation a type of situation where you can surprise a team I don't want it to be a regular part of the playbook. It, it's effective occasionally. It's those types of plays that are effective occasionally. Um, you know, maybe they just didn't, didn't anticipate Barker being used that way. So Johnson was like, "Hey, well, this is how I'm going to use him then." And so th that's my concern on the offensive end. It's not Peyton Thorne after last night. It's Jay Johnson, and that was 
kind of a con- an unmentioned concern last year. I did think about it. I was like, wow, Jay Johnson's really hot and cold, and that's that's the way he's he was all last season. It's just that got overshadowed quite a bit by the greatness that was Kenneth Walker III. So offensively, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I think it's better than what it showed last night. I think there were some skill players. Uh, Berger's fumble was just a really weird one. Um, Thorne's interception was a really bad one, and he normally doesn't make those types of throws. So, we'll, uh, I, th- I think the Thorne thing will correct it. The Berger thing, you know, hold it till the whistle. That I mean, you're a running back. That's your job. So, defensively, uh, 4-2-5. That was... Uh, Something that I've talked about heavily this past week because, you know, you keep hearing, oh, we're going to run more multiple, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm not 100% sold that the 425 is the best thing. I'm not. The It limits where you can blitz from. It hides that, and so Michigan State's blitzes aren't that effective. They keep blitzing on third down, um, forcing six in coverage. I say go seven and let let the ends and let the tackles do what they do. The tackles got a lot of pressure early on, kind of slowed down a little bit later. Didn't see a lot of Maverick Hansen last night. Um, saw a little bit more of Avery Dunn, and so that was something that was a little bit surprising for me until uh, Dunn got hurt, yeah, but I didn't really see... I didn't really see Maverick last night. Uh, Chester Kimbrough in the nickel spot, like I said, he was heavily targeted. He looked good. But now the problem is, is Xavier Henderson was on crutches. Darius Snow was in a wheelchair with a massive brace on his leg at the end of the game, according to reports. So that is a concern. You, you know, you lost. It looks like you lost a starting linebacker for a year. Now, like I said, you do have Ben Van Sumeren who played a lot and he looked good. You do do have Aaron Belay as your third linebacker out of the two. Jacoby Windman, you might see a little bit more in that situation. Maybe use a little more Brandon Wright, who had a couple pressures last night. Um, didn't see a lot of Michael Fletcher. So I'm really curious to see how uh, that rotation shakes out. You know, Do you use Windman more of a linebacker? Can you play him as a... I mean, kind of like the same way we talked about Darius Snow being used is, oh, well, he can go linebacker to nickel. He can do those types of things if you want to go 4-3. And when you talk about Jacoby Windman, can you do that with the defensive end and linebacker spot? So curious to see how that works out. Uh, Should be interesting, to say the least. Uh, You have an opportunity to test it before your first game. That should challenge you in a way where, hey, you know what, maybe you're a little scared of a loss, and that's Washington. Um, look, as far as uh, my immediate reactions, all that type of stuff, biggest concern, Jay Johnson's play calling. Look at that third quarter. A lot of blitzes on second down for Western Michigan. Not using the receivers, just sending them deep. You know, you have Jaden Reed. You have, which thank goodness he's okay. You have Keon Coleman, so 
you have those types of guys set up where they should be able to take advantage of the one-on-ones. I'm shocked Jay Johnson didn't use it. Um, biggest overreaction um, is Peyton Thorne not being good. <laughs> Last season's more likely to be the norm. You have an entire season of games as opposed to two quarters. Three quarters, sorry. I feel like the third quarter he was neutralized by Jay Johnson. So, um... As far as a positive, you know, that so that's a negative overreaction that, Jay, you know, Peyton Thorne wasn't that good. Well, it, maybe it's a little bit too negative, a little bit too positive. Jacoby Winman. I'm scared he might be Janal St. Deke. Two of the sacks that he had were coverage sacks. They were second effort sacks, sacks that he's not going to get against Power five left tackles, sacks that he's not going to get against tackles that play in the league. I'm a little concerned about him in that regard. Janelle St. Deke had a great start to the season, but when the Big Ten season hit, he, he was still good. He was still a good defensive end when he played, and he was still good during that time. But, man, he put on a show at the beginning of the year, and I'm scared that Jacoby Winman might be of the same mold. You know, not a shot at St. Deke. Like I said, he was good. But when Jacoby Winman tears it up the way that he did, he's a very pivotal part of this Michigan State defense. And in regard to it being an overreaction, Michigan State needs him to be what he was last night, and they need him to be it throughout the course of the year. But that that's where I stand with uh, my reaction from last night's game. Obviously, there may be a little more to unpack as it progresses. Um, a, lot, a lot of changes happening here at the Great Lakes Sports Network. Uh, Facebook page might be changing entirely here in the next day or so, so be sure to keep an eye on that and like the new page that's coming up. Uh, like the Like the pod. Share, rate, subscribe, review. Just do whatever you can to help us out. We we think we can we can deliver a lot of quality content. Uh, Jeremy File on the current Facebook page, which is under trouble with the snap, um, you know, popped up with his uh, CSU preview. So a lot of good stuff happening. Like I said, Detroit Lions stuff coming up. Uh, Cover three co- coming up. So a lot of NFL talk which I know that's what ultimately moves the needle. So be sure to keep an eye on that. Uh, This is the Great Lakes Sports Network, Michigan State Podcast. I am Tyler Hayward.